1: This is Kelly Henderson and you are listening to the Velvet Edge podcast. My guest this week came at just the right time for me and I hope also for you guys. She is one of the most calming spirits that I've talked to lately. Ruthie Lindsay is the author of Her Memoir There I Am: The Journey from Hopelessness to Healing, a book that I honestly could not put down. Her stories and also her writing style made me feel the actual pain and experiences that she was going through. I both cried and laughed out loud while reading. Ruthie is the survivor of an accident as a teenager where she had a 5% chance to live, a 1% chance to walk, and a surgery that simultaneously saved and destroyed her body. As a young woman, chronic pain slowly pulled Ruthie away from everything she once held dear, her marriage, her faith, her family, her body, her very self. But her message is one of strength and resilience. The faith she lost and rebuilt in herself and the power of sharing our stories. She and I talked so much about the specifics of what has brought her so much healing and the humanness she has learned to love and accept along the way that I divided this podcast into two episodes. In this first episode, she reminds me that our journey is beautiful in all of its messiness and our pain is not there to punish us, but to help us heal. Here's Ruthie. Okay, so I told you just a second ago that we have so many parallels, and I'll kind of get into some of those throughout this conversation, because I was reading your book just like, first of all, both being from Louisiana... Obviously, oh a gosh. lot of the places you describe, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, it's so nice <laughs> to actually hear someone talk about the places that meant so much to you in your childhood. Yeah. Um, so I know there's there's that. But then now we have like these parallel lives in Nashville. It's just bizarre. But we'll get into I all that it. later. I want to talk a little bit just to start about the book, because I obviously resonated with so many things, both being mm-hmm. from Louisiana, like we said, and having similar Situations that we've gone through, even knowing a lot of the same people. But yeah. I feel like you have this insane gift of telling a story so that people feel like they're in it. Like the way you describe mm. it, I felt like I was there with you. Have you always known you were a writer? Like have you written a ton before? Oh, God, have, no. Tell, okay, tell us everything oh because you're God. so good at it. Oh,
2: thank you. Well, definitely had so much support. And um, I would. I still struggle to say I'm a writer because I don't enjoy it at all. Really? <laughs> Actually, my worst nightmare. <laughs> I could talk all day long. Like yeah. Let me just sit with people and get in front of humans and having that like soul connection and conversation that is breathing for me. Yeah. Sitting down and writing is
1: really, really difficult. Um, Why? What's what do you find uh, difficult about it?
2: Well, you know, I think with this in particular. I think I knew that I was going to have to essentially kind of go back in and re-traumatize myself. I don't think I like consciously knew that, but I think on a subconscious level, I knew that it was going to be super, super painful. Um, Because when I lived through it in real time, I was on every narcotic. I was living in my bed. I was, you know, watching Mm -hmm. TV, eating my feelings and doing everything I could to numb the trauma I was living through, and so this time around, writing, rewriting the story, um, and not all the parts, but you know, a lot of the parts that were super painful to live through. Your brain doesn't know that that's not happening right now. Like our right. limbic brain actually doesn't know time, and so it was as though I were, you know, re going through this wreck, reliving in my bed, burying my father, going through this divorce um, experiencing debilitating physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain. And so I think on a, on a subconscious level, I knew that it was just going to be super, super, super painful. And, and now I can say with complete confidence, it was like the most important thing that I'd done Mm -hmm. for myself because you you can't heal anything you're not allowing yourself to feel and so I had to like really go back in and dig in and like work do really really intensive work and it brought me I mean it brought me to my knees and it knocked me on my ass in the most important way and also opened up a door to like do the deepest healing work that I've done in this life so far so as horrible and painful and traumatic as it was it was also the most healing redemptive beautiful thing that I've done
1: have you ever heard that quote that um someone says like or it's I don't know if it's a quote but it's just basically like you can't rip someone out of denial or you shouldn't because that would be a very unkind thing to do because we can't process Mm. all of our feelings sometimes like right away or you know if, if they're overlapping with other things if you're not ready Mm, so does it come right when you're ready do you think I think the universe
2: is so loving in that way and is always wants good and beautiful things I love that quote I'm so glad you brought that up because it's so true there was so much that I thought I knew even going into writing this book, yeah, you know, which is so interesting. And there's so much I thought I knew six months ago. And now I'm like, oh, you're so cute. <laughs> you know, and I think I hope that, until i am back in the in between i am like that 90 year old woman with a notebook walking around so curious and realizing mm. how much i don't have a freaking clue about like the more i learn and the more i know the more i realize i don't have a freaking oh my clue. gosh
1: yes that is so you true know? yeah and i
2: think the universe is just so beautiful and it gives us what we can handle at the time and there's stuff that like I wasn't even aware of until after I wrote the book about like some early and pre trauma and things wow. that I, that aren't written in there because I didn't know and I wasn't ready to process that. Yeah. And the more healing we do, the deeper you're able to go even deeper and learn more. And, and again, we have free will, so you don't have to choose it. right? right. Like, you can just stay in those patterns and like the universe is so loving that we'll just keep bringing up, really painful things and kind of keeping on and same cycles and reliving our traumas until we do that healing work.
1: Oh my gosh. Um, well, we both talked about the healing process and I want to get into that a lot into this podcast. Um, what you just said, even specifically, I personally, like I feel that so much with just, getting to the next, they call it, you know, the layers of the onions. And I'm just like annoyed yes. most of the time when I'm getting to another layer, like I don't want so like, another layer, oh, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I have walked through this pain I, or what mm-hmm. you said, like you keep bumping up against certain things maybe until you heal it fully. And yes. I can think it's healed, but then it's like, it comes up in a different form in a different relationship in a different place. And so it's a constant. Yeah journey to that healing, which I really want to get into yours because I think that can be helpful to a lot of people. But first let's go back because we do have to talk about the pain first. So could you tell the listeners a little bit about just what happened in high school and your accident?
2: Yes, absolutely. So basically, um, when I was a senior in high school, I um, pulled out in front of an ambulance, and he hit me on my car door, going uh, 65 miles an hour. And wow. so, yeah, so I broke um, ribs and I punctured my lungs. My lungs collapsed. My spleen ruptured, so I lost that. And then I um, broke the top two vertebrae in my neck, C1 and C2, and. What I didn't know then, which I feel really clear on now, um, I actually died in that wreck um, and wasn't breathing and everything had shut down for somewhere between three to five minutes. The guy that was in the wreck with me, Um, this all came clear later, but um, I would always be told, you know, you had a 5% chance to live, 1% chance to walk. It's like so miraculous that you're still here. But I really think that I died and like chose to come back because I wow. still had a lot of work here to do and um, the ambulance driver was right there he knew how to stabilize my neck and not just pull me out of the car you know and um, they were able to get me to the hospital really quickly and get me on life support and remove my spleen and um, get me stable enough to a few weeks later um, do this spinal cord surgery that I had to have or They took bone from my hip, and back then, just the standard practice was to fuse it with wire, Mm -hmm. and so they wrapped my neck with wire, and in the late 90s, that's just what you did, and, you know, I was, I'll spare all details, but I was just um, so blessed, so lucky. I um, was in the hospital almost a month. It happened on my dad's birthday, which was November 2nd, and I went back to school after Christmas. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I walked out of there. I had a big old neck brace that I wore for like five or six months, and you know, new scars and things like that. But otherwise, I mean, I I kind of just went back to normal life. Like I. Did not know what disassociation was. I had no idea what, how to process all of it. Not at the time, you know, we disassociate to survive. It's right. actually this really loving human thing that we do so that we can keep going. And that is fully what I have done. And I was pretty disassociated, now I know, before the wreck even happened. But it just kind of took me into a deep state of disconnection. And, you know, I would talk about the wreck like it was in third person. And I thought like that, like it was just a cool story, but it didn't feel like it had happened to me. Um, I would always say it was way harder on my family and my friends than it was for me. Um, And I felt that. And at the time, I really didn't have very many residual effects. Like I didn't, my pain wasn't bad. Like I'd get sore if I like danced too much, you know, but I didn't have day in day out any sort of repercussions. And so I just went back to my normal teenage life and graduated, got to college. At the time, my form of disassociation and my form of comfort was mostly through food. And so I would just kind of stuff any feelings. I did not cry for four and a half years. Um, was very shut down. I I knew how to show up and smile and be kind and you know I was part of this like Southern culture and the church I was a part of. All these things the patriarchy taught me everything was about appearance. How you mm-hmm. show up in the world is you smile, you be pretty, you be kind. But I did not know how to process the trauma that I had walked through, and so instead I just stuffed my feelings with food. Um, and then showed up and smiled and did it all over again, you know? Yeah. And so that's, that was kind of my MO until, um, I moved to Nashville, uh, met my very first boyfriend. My parents were super stoked. He was
1: <laughs> a man. They were like, convinced <laughs> I liked
2: girls. I'm like, that would be so great. It's not my journey, but I know. that would be awesome. <laughs> um, and we were just like, we were a part of a church, you know, that talked about, sex being sinful and the flesh is deceitful. And, you know, we had so many laws and rules and we try to fit in this box that we were given, um, to be quote unquote good in the world. And yeah. it was from such an earnest place, you know, but we had such deep shame about sex. And so literally got married 10 months after we started dating. Wow. <laughs> Cause we were sweet little freaking idiots <laughs> and bless our souls. And, You know, and that was our contract with each other. I think we planned that before we came here. And I don't regret one single second of it because it was all a part of the journey. But about a year into our marriage, um, one day I was like walking from the store and this crazy, gnarly shooting pain went up my head and knocked me to my knees. Like I was left with this like black, inky migraine. It felt like someone... I, I remember thinking either I've been shot or I've been like struck by lightning, even though it was the prettiest day ever, but like yeah. that was the level of pain that shot up my head. And of course it was terrifying. I'm like, what the actual hell just happened to me? And, um, started going to see all these doctors just trying to figure out what was happening. And every time they'd have me do an MRI and the magnet in the machine would interact with the wire that was in my spinal cord fusion. And they'd say, Oh, there would be this like spot on every film and they'd say, Oh, that's just the magnet and the wire, everything around it looks fine. Um, But they couldn't see what was underneath it. And they started me on all these therapies. Nothing helped started me on narcotics. I mean, I was just not well, you know, and I just didn't want to hurt all the time and doctors are the authority. So I'm just going to listen to whatever they told me, you know? And so I took everything they recommended And it just started me down this very dark spiraling path. Like, I slowly stopped being able to show up to my life. Like, my pain continued to get worse and worse. So, I took more and more drugs, which removed me from my life more and more I stopped working I stopped showing up as a partner I stopped showing up as a daughter a friend a sister an aunt like I just everything shut down and all I felt I became was this pain yeah and it consumed every thought in my life like I was in so much pain And so I just literally my world became the four walls of my bedroom, um, escaping into horrific television, (laughs) um, eating my feelings and taking these narcotics. And so, of course, you know, I became more and more of a shadow of myself and my world became timier and timier and more and more isolated and more and more parked in that pain story.
1: Um, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so when you think about back about that time, I mean, you mentioned kind of being disassociated or even talking about your wreck in third person. When I hear you describe that, I think about similar times in my life when I've been just going through the motions and medicating everything away. Did it feel to you like you were looking, like observing yourself in your own life, sort of like, were you even at all present in your body or were you just kind of? I was,
2: I was just going through the motions. I was too numb to even be aware that I wasn't playing a role in my life. You know, I was so disconnected and, and now I've learned about some like early childhood stuff that helps me understand even more of why I was disassociated and disconnected. And this was just another extension an even deeper extension of Mm -hmm. the same, you know, patterns that I was so, removed from my body and you know and at the time i you know i was a part of the church that said i was a broken depraved wretch mm. i believed that with every part of me i believed my body and i was broken and you know I thought my body hated me and I felt that was the source of all this pain. I had no idea there was emotional and spiritual pain connected to it also, but I thought all of my pain was this physical body and it was fighting me and it was turning its back on me and it was hating me and loathing me. And so I, what actually was happening was I was abandoning my body. My body never abandoned abandoned me, you know, like our bodies love us so much and it's calling us home But I was like, F you, like I'm leaving you at all costs because I cannot, I thought if I went in, that would kill me. If I went into my pain, that would be the end of me because it was so visceral.
1: It was so painful, which instead I just kept it going longer and longer
2: and longer. The more I avoided it.
1: Yeah. You talk a lot about just smiling through the pain and that like people wouldn't even know what you were feeling because you just put a smile on your face. Like you said, you're from the South. That's kind of what we do as women. Um, It makes me think of that, you know, that quote, be kind to people because you never know what they're really going through. But like, what did that feel like when you're walking around your life? I mean, I know you said there was different seasons. There were some seasons you didn't even get out of bed. And then there were some where you got to this place where you're trying to operate as if you were feeling great or feeling normal with a big smile on your face. Like, where did you learn that role?
2: You know, I mean, I lived in my bed for seven years. And the few times I would show up, I would put a plaster, a big smile on me. And what I know now, I grew up in the deep South. Um, my mom was a child of alcoholics, mm-hmm. which, you know, everything is about there could be just complete mayhem chaos trauma going inside your house but like you better believe they showed up with the prettiest dresses with their hair coiffed perfectly with the biggest plastered smile and it's the secret internal life that's killing you but you go out in the world and everything is about the outer appearance and what everyone else thinks about you and what everyone else says that you are and so I learned that from the get-go um And I learned how to perform. I learned how to be that, you know, shiny, smiley thing. I remember in second grade, very specifically, because I was always a smiley child. But I remember if you smile even bigger, they Mm. like you even more. Yeah. Like, and I remember, I mean, I was six or seven. And I remember consciously thinking that and being like, make it bigger, make it wider. And like practicing my smile just so people would like me because i thought that's what all of my worth and all of my identity was in what everyone else said and what everyone else outside of me thought like when i'd walk in my front door in the in the day end of the day my mom would say what did they say about you today did they say how pretty you were did they you know yeah. and that was that was the number one thing and if they didn't you know i'm going no Something wrong with it, you know, like the, yeah, you, you start thinking, Oh, shit. they did. No one said anything, no one said I was pretty, no one said, So, what's wrong with me, you know? And so, for me, this healing journey of coming back home to me and to my body and to myself honestly has been an unlearning and a remembering more than anything, an unlearning of the stories from the patriarchy, from the church, from my family, from the culture that we are just we are taking in like air. It's like breath. It is it is everything we are bombarded with when we open our phones, when we turn on the TV, when we see a billboard, when we walk outside. Everything is telling us what we should look like, how we should behave, how to fit in this box. And so unlearning those stories and remembering that I am valuable valuable and worthy and inherently good and deserving and beautiful and whole because I'm freaking breathing right. and I am on this planet and has nothing to do with anything outside of me has been the most beautiful, hardest work that I've probably done because that is that remembering is just we're so deserving of that, and that lives within all of us. The
1: rest is just freaking stories, you
2: know, totally. stories that have been given.
1: When so you say re- you say remembering, an, but did you even know who you were? No, but I think that our soul knows. Okay,
2: so I think that's what I mean. Like we have this soul, we have this divinity within each of us that has not been harmed, that is just whole and full it's just pure love and but you know we were never broken we were traumatized but these trauma stories which a lot that we just came in here inherited from our family these trauma like i know i've carried so much pain and trauma of my moms of my grandmothers of my yeah. family um there's this incredible book called it didn't start with you that mm-hmm. has taught me so much I mean, and this is science. This sounds so woo-woo, but it's literally No,
1: I completely buy into all this. Science. Too. Yeah.
2: And but there's still this part inside of each and every one of us that is not wounded, that is not, you know, traumatized, that is just pure light and wholeness. And we are these divine souls, right? And so unwinding those trauma stories and the painful things that have been put on us that we've been carrying and coming back to that whole place that every single soul has within them um it's just the most beautiful precious like i have written all throughout my house little notes and affirmations and so many of them say i remember because it's like it's a remembering Mm. it's a oh, oh, there I am. Like, there, there's my true, yeah. wholehearted, highest version of me. And that part, you know, like, you'll read certain things where you've not heard it before, but every part of you is like, yes, yeah i know that's true like that's how i feel every time i hear oprah speak or
1: me too (laughs) i am just aha moments yes yes." exactly (laughs) and
2: that's that place inside of us you might not have ever heard those words before in this life but your soul your whole pure love light filled soul knows that truth and that's the remembering
1: If you know anything about me, you know I am a massive creature of comfort. It is one of my top priorities in life to make my surroundings comfortable at all times. So when I found Cozy Earth, I quickly scooped up all of the luxurious bedding and loungewear that I could. It felt very on brand for me, but then I went on a trip with a girlfriend not too long ago where she could not stop commenting on how cute and comfy my pajamas were, which then made me realize they may also be my new favorite travel companion as well. Guys, I am not kidding when I say you will experience unmatched softness and smoothness with all of Cozy Earth's products. The temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew add comfort and a touch of style to any travel ensemble, and their bedding comes in the most adorable totes, making it a super easy gift to give anyone. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code Edge at the checkout for an exclusive 35% off and let them know we sent you when you're at the checkout. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com.
0: Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate?
1: Do you feel like when you say things like "I actually died and I," but I think my soul came back because it wasn't done learning? How does that feel to say? I mean, what does that feel like?
2: I feel so. I'm so endeared (laughs) to the soul of mine because I think for me, I had so much more healing work to do. Yeah, and I think I. Now listen, this is really woo woo, but I I believe it. And if it doesn't fit, who cares? Like if it doesn't work, everyone. Like I also think anything that endears us to ourselves and our souls is just such a beautiful thing. I could be totally wrong about this, but there there are these schools of thought that really believe that we come here many 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 times. Yeah, and we choose when we're back in the in between with our soul families, with our higher selves with source we choose the lives that we need to grow to walk through the karmic stuff that we need to work through to for our souls to expand to enlighten to awaken and i really believe that i chose all of the pain all of the trauma all of the loss and i trusted my soul enough to live through all of that to ultimately be the invitation to come back home to myself mm. and to do the healing work that we're all so deserving of and with the community and light workers and soul people that are in my life to support me in doing this work that we're remembering what is so right with us and not as what wrong, you know, not what's yes. wrong with us so that then I could be a mirror of the healing and love and light that is everyone's. Because this is not mine. It's ours. This is for everyone. And that is why, like, at the end of my book, I'm like, I hope when you finish this, I hope you forget all about me. I hope you forget my name because I am here to be a mirror of all the love and healing and light and goodness and divinity and hope that is yours. Like, you don't need me. This is for you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get the fuck out of the way because, mm-hmm. like, I can't fix you. I can't heal you, but I can be a space holder and a mirror of all that is of you. All that is yours. That you, it's your like inherited divine worth. Like, this yeah. is for you. And, people have been those mirrors to me you're talking about miles earlier and I have so many light workers and soul people in my life that believed in me and held space for me and just loved me and never left even when I had nothing to show up with they just held me and loved me and I believe that that is like that is our work here now like to whom much is given, much is required. Like yeah. I have been given so much and I have so much love and so much healing that I want to be a mirror of to the collective. And that feels like such a privilege to me. Like I-, I can say with the deepest conviction to you right now, I would not change one thing that has happened. Like I would not change one thing. I I know that every single thing that wreck finding out that there was a wire in my brainstem which we haven't even talked about yet like the reason I was in so much pain one of the wires broke and pierced my brainstem and I'm the only human on planet earth that's ever had that and I shouldn't be here I shouldn't be speaking to you I shouldn't have brain functioning I shouldn't be walking I shouldn't be able to like show up in this life and dance and have joy but I am and All of those things, the divorce, the pain, the death of my daddy, like one of the deepest traumas, you know, all of that became the entry point, the invitation for me to ultimately come home to myself and to Mm -hmm. this body and do the deepest healing work that I was always so deserving of, that's always here for me. And I'm so endeared to my soul because I believe I trusted myself to do that yeah. so that then I could go out and be a healer and a mirror of this and like I just it endeared me so much and even the idea that I chose these things like again even if I'm totally wrong I'm so great with that but <laughs> it, it that idea took away ever every sense of victimhood
1: in my life I was and just it, about to say that about yes. the victim mentality when I actually agree with you with how I think we choose how our life is going to look before we come here and we do this yeah. however many times it takes to yeah. learn certain things or to grow into our whole whole selves like you're talking yeah. about but when I sometimes in my life like it, it hasn't been easy you know like and I can get oh, in that God. place of just like Like I said earlier, bumping up against the same shit again, you know, and Mm -hmm. a lot of mine has to do with relationships and love and my own dysfunction around all of those things. And like, I've been in a season, your book for me was, I I read it just at the right time of what I'm going through Mm -hmm. right now of bumping up against some same shit that I'm just like, why am I back here? What is like, and someone said to me the other day, like something in you in this, aspect isn't healed yet it's not like a it's not a punishment it's not that's right because that's how I feel a lot you know like I can just feel like done with something and it's just like I have a friend who calls them another fucking growth opportunity and I'm just like I don't want any more growth opportunities you know like you just want life to be easy but without the opportunities we don't grow I don't believe we do not we don't and that
2: is earth school I don't know why source, set it up in this way, but I know it's loving. Mm -hmm. I do trust and believe, and listen, I have had nervous breakdowns. I have gone to treatment. I have had such debilitating emotional, physical, spiritual pain, and when I was in those moments, I felt so abandoned. Yeah. I felt like I wanted to die. I wanted, I thought everyone's life would be better if I weren't here. Yeah. I was just taking. I thought, you know, like the last breakdown I had, I was like, wait, I've done so much work. How could I be back in this place? And the those are almost stories, worse,
1: I feel. Oh, After you've done a bunch of work, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I can't be back here. It was so
2: traumatic. Yeah. And it was so important. Like, it was this ego death. And with death comes new life. And, like, Mm. I know, like, Mother Nature has everything to teach us, right? Like, if a tree falls, it goes back into the earth and it feeds and it nourishes, and new life forms out of it. And things that die away that no longer serve us. And here, but here's the tricky part we have free will, we don't have to choose to learn it. We can choose to go back to old ways. Yeah. We can stick with those old comfort and I have that in me like food is a big one for me when I am feeling triggered or if I'm emotional or if I'm bored it's like that is the thing that I go to because it's what I learned in this early formative place that that's my comfort when I, mm. everything outside of me felt like chaos and that was the one thing I could control. And now it's like I do a lot of work to uh, remind myself, to ground, to say, Ruthie, you are so held. You are so loved. You are so safe in your body. You are safe. That was then and this is now. And we can choose something different. And, you know, I believe that we get tested, not in a way that's mean, but in a way for growth. It's like you got to test out of the first grade to get into the second grade, right? And it's like, you heal this part so that you can go into, does it mean second grade's not harder? (laughs) Like it's hard. It's hard. That is earth school, but it's also loving. And I, there are things now that like, I've done so much work around and it's not to say other things won't come up, but it doesn't carry the same weight. Like I can sit in front of my husband, ex-husband and have the most beautiful life giving conversations or see him dating and see, and, there's, it doesn't have any triggers for me anymore. It's just Mm. beautiful. I can talk about my dad and I don't feel triggered by it anymore. Does it mean I don't miss him? No, of course I do. But like, I feel him so close to me. I know that he is with me. In some ways I feel closer to him and his spirit self than I even did. In human form, and it doesn't carry the same weight or even talking about the pain story like it doesn't carry the same weight now. And it's just I I have watched things that used to really trigger me not have the same hold on me as it did before. Yeah. And now there's other things that I get to work on and go deeper with. And it's, and I will continue this journey, like healing is ongoing again until we are back in the in-between. And that is, that's just, that's the part of expansion. That is what our souls came here for. Um, And it's, and again, it's not to punish us, it's for growth, it's actually, loving and the more that i when i bump up against things that i in my body i say okay i trust that the universe wants good and beautiful things for me so this is happening not for me and not to me like that is one of my mantras that is this is happening for me Mm. not to me um and so how am i going to lean into this and not try to avoid it and then and then like this beautiful thing happens because the pain, it alchemizes and it turns into this beautiful growth. And again, you just get to go deeper and then other things come up. Like it's not like when we have, Healing moments were done. That that's just not how it works. That's not Earth School, you
1: know. I thought it was. Like I remember Shame. after my first Love. therapy intensive, being like, "Well, I'm probably fixed now, right? Yeah. <laughs> like right. this is me it, too. right?" And then here I am, uh, like eight years later, hitting right. what I. F- I mean, this year for me has felt like another bottom, you know. And that's yes. like, I feel yeah. like I'm starting to grasp a little bit of maybe where the the opportunity for growth is. But like, yeah. I will resist, I will fight, yes. I will deny, I will do everything yes. I can to keep holding on to the grip or the false control that I think that I yes. have because yes. it feels just so painful to lean into it. Yeah,
2: oh, we're so perfectly human. It's yeah. so human of us. And I think, you know, what I've been learning, first off, I just want to acknowledge what you just said. And I'm so sorry. It's been so hard. Yeah, thank you. I'm so sorry, sister. Because it's just, it's so loaded and it's so painful. And, you know, they always say that when our responses to things are hysterical, they're always
1: historical. Yes. I read that in your and book. It's just, that hit it's me.
2: Br- yes. It's just bringing up stuff. Usually it's either. You know early early childhood or family stuff that right. we're carrying that really just wants it longs to be healed and it doesn't mean that it's not so painful it's so yeah. hard but what i've been learning is our words are also so like we are the co-creators of our own reality and so when we speak these limiting things like I am broken, or I will never have this, or this thing will never happen for me, or I will never have that boyfriend, or I'll never have that happy life, or I'll never have that child, I'll never have that job. We are speaking that reality into the universe. Like, I'm not going to try to get into quantum physics, because I don't know how to explain it. But I know it's true. (laughs) Like, I know, every part of my soul knows that it's true. And so one of the things that I have been doing consciously, because usually we're not living very consciously, right? We just, our our brains are on loop. We have these deep neural pathways that say these limiting things to ourselves all freaking day. And so coming back in and starting to be aware of those stories and claiming them as that's just a story, That doesn't mean it's true. Just because I know that story by heart, it's what I was taught and what I've been shown does not mean it's true. And so one thing I do is I literally, I'll write out those limiting stories that I hear myself say on loop. And then I go and I'll say, so let's say one of them is I am broken. I'll never feel better. Yeah. My positive opposite of that is I am healed. Mm. And speaking things in an I am statement as though they are already your reality mm. is so powerful or I will never have a partner. Yeah. I say every single day I am in a loving, mutual, expansive relationship that is connected emotionally, physically and spiritually. Wow. And some, a lot of my stories were around money growing up. Right. Mm. Like I was taught real messed up stories around money we did not have much and it was so stressful and there was just a lot and so a lot of my work is around wealth consciousness and so like my old story is i'll always be broke and i'll always struggle with money and now i say every single day and it's written on my altar i am an unlimited being receiving from an unlimited source in unlimited ways wow and i watch that manifests. Like yeah. it's the most, cause we create our own realities. If I speak like, listen, I thought I was broken and said that, and that my body hated me every day, all day for over 15 years. I was so parked in that story and I did hurt worse every year for 15 years. And then my story became, I am healed. And when I tell you, like the things that I am able to do down like listen, my neck is still it looks I'm not saying cured. It looks more like a freaking toaster oven than a spinal cord. Like it <laughs> it it absolutely does. And when I tell you the things that I am able to do today physically, like I hike every day, I do yoga, I travel, and I doesn't have the repercussions on me like it used to, because I learned that my body was holding on to so much emotional trauma. I learned that I was carrying, you know, my family's trauma. And I learned these practices that have been so loving and coming back in and embodying myself and speaking love and truth over my soul every single day that I am healed. I am healing. Like my body is this expansive, growing. Our bodies are longing for homeostasis like they were our brains our minds our bodies were created to heal and if we stay in those limited stories that doctors may have told i mean listen all the limiting stories i've been told by doctors of what i will experience for the rest of my life like one day i'll be in a wheelchair because i probably won't be able to walk yeah there's a you know if i believe that i know that that would become my reality yeah and like fuck that that is not my story That is not my story. I say to myself, it's written on my mirror. I am healed. And I believe that. And I speak that to my beautiful body that has been holding me and loving me and calling me back home to myself. Like that shifting of realizing, like, you know, I will do these practices where I will just hold, like, hold myself and hug myself and touch the places. There have been debilitating pain, like holding my shoulder and saying, hi, sweet shoulder. Thank you for calling me home to you. What do you need from me? What, What emotions do you feel? What do you need me to process? What are you carrying? What are you holding? And like holding my neck. There's a book that is called You Can Heal Your Life that is so life changing. I'm actually going through it for the second time right now. Um, it talks about like body parts that hurt and it has this massive list and it talks about the limiting story that we believed. And then it gives you a mantra to say for that body part, because it's usually some limiting story. And it is crazy because the exact body parts that have caused, that have called me home the most and have been the most painful literally the stories the limiting stories are exactly what i've said about myself and the fears that i felt really and it's
1: wild it's so i feel wild. like people listening you know cuz like i actually buy into all of this stuff and i see an energy healer and she gives me like after each session she'll give me certain mantras to do for 2 weeks and you like either tap yeah. certain parts of your body like your head yeah. or the ones lately I've been holding like my hands over my heart and yes. saying these things every day, twice a day. And it's insane. But like when you go to these appointments, the next one, she's always like, okay, like it's like something you're right. The stories switch, but we, most of the time I don't even know. And I'm just not aware of what the stories are in my head. Totally. And they seem so real, you know, right? it yes. seems like such a truth. It's just, that's right. It's insane. You know,
2: it is and it's not even conscious and these are a loop it's the deepest neuro pathways like but what's so beautiful is we can create new neuro pathways and because our brains don't know time that's why emdr and breath work and Mm -hmm. plant medicine and all these things are so powerful because we can go back in and do the most beautiful healing work on our early childhood days and consciously like I do reparenting stuff on myself, even and work in my mom's womb yeah, and my yeah. brain does not know that that's not exactly how it happened.
1: Wow. How freaking, that's so science. insane. I know that's
2: the freaking coolest thing. And let me just backing up a little about what you just said. We're not aware even of the things. And that's why mindfulness and conscious, like, consciously setting intentions and consciously constantly coming back in and like being aware of these loops and journaling about here's the stories that I hear myself saying all day, every day. And listen, when you start those, I am statements,
1: you're not going to believe it. It's taken me 40 years. Half the time I can't even say them. Like my, my, I'll either start crying or my body is like, yeah, I like have to force myself. Does that happen to you? Yes, yeah.
2: absolutely. When I first started, I couldn't look myself in the eye. I would try yeah. to do it in the mirror. And I, and that's why everything is a practice. You've been practicing something else, even though you didn't know it, and creating the limiting story for yourself mm. every day of your life up until the point that you're conscious that you're doing it. And at first, it is a practice. Will you feel that it's true? No. But again, our bodies hear us, our minds hear us, our cells hear us, the freaking universe hears us. So the more that you start going in and just getting yourself to do it, just start doing it. And again, like, do you think in first grade, all of a sudden, you know how to read and everything makes sense to you? No, it's a practice. And so it's doing that, giving yourself that self love every single day like put it on your mirror put it above your tub put it in anywhere put it on your screensaver like we are what we speak there's oh my gosh I want to read this quote to you I wrote it down the other day because I'm like if that's not the freaking truest thing that I've ever heard I love her beat um hold on let me find it real fast Havie um, says, "What we speak becomes the house we live in."
1: Mm. Wow. I mean, yeah.
2: Uh, another thing he says: I wish I could show you when you are lonely or in darkness, the astonishing light of your own being. <sighs> and I think you know, the stories give us such deep-rooted self-hatred and self-loathing. Yeah, the, shame. the shame stories. And what a radical act of resistance to just experience self-love because the more we love ourselves, the more we show ourselves tenderness and gentleness and kindness, the more we're able to go out and be a mirror of that. If we like hate, you know, hurt people, hurt people, but Awakened people, awaken people, enlighten people, enlighten people, heal people, heal people. And so this is like the most radical form of resistance because it removes, when we come home to our bodies, you realize there is no such thing as the other. You realize that we are connected to everything and everyone. And it's only what the patriarchy has taught us, that there is an other, that we are better than, that you you know there's this hierarchy it's all complete and utter bullshit but if you're walking around dissociated it's real easy to believe those crazy fucked up stories right when you come home in your body and you awakened to the connectivity of everything to mother earth to other souls to nature to plants to all all life there you cannot believe there's another Because it's, there is no, that's the fucking illusion. That's the matrix, right? And that is resistance. That is the most loving thing that we can do in this world is coming home to yourself and self-love because then there's no way you will not show up as love in the world. There is no way you won't show up and be a form of resistance and speak out against and show up for your BIPOC brothers and sisters. There's no way you won't. It's not humanly possible.
0: Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge.